Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome everyone to the Blue Day podcast and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, a man with a face for podcasting, Keith Florence, and I am proud to say today that we are top of the league, say we are top of the league, hey hey, we are top of the league, say we are top of the league. What a week for Chelsea supporters. On the show, we will be reviewing the recent matches against Leeds and Seville, discussing idiots who tweet few more rants here and there, and so much more. But to join me on this episode today is, of course, my co-host. He's the Londoner living it large up north. He's Gus Poyet's number one fan. It's Warren. Warren, welcome. Can you smell that in the air, Warren? Well, I can... Well, I mean, there's a bit of a following... There's a bit of a following wind, so I can smell the people behind us, which is obviously the whole of England at the minute. We have played that one extra game. I think it's important to have a little dose of reality. But no, yeah, feeling really, really, really good. There's the uh, smell of future success in the air. It's all coming together. Yes, fuck it. Let's just say it. It's the smell of being top of the league, and it's the smell of all the doubters... Hiding under their bug, dirt-infested rocks. Yes, very, very much so. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's it's a nice bit of vindication for the club. I think it's a nice bit of vindication for Frank and the faith that's been shown in him by the club and real Chelsea fans everywhere. Um, in spite of idiots peating things and like, I mean, I've seen some things this week that have just made me laugh so much that I couldn't even comment. But um, yeah, I think it's a real. I think it, like you know it's payback for the faith that's been shown and everything to be to be top even having played an extra game more like nearly a third of the way into the season now a couple of games off being a third of the way through the season going really well in the Champions League as well obviously won the group like, obviously we're going to get onto that in a minute mm. um, but yeah it's just it was it, it's positive you know even when even when not everybody's absolutely brilliant we're we find ways to win games and yeah, we're going to talk a bit more about the goals and stuff and how they came about and how for all of our free flowing beautiful football, it was just a cross and a header. Like, do you know what I mean? For Zuma's goal, especially. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's all just really, really positive. And, you know, I'm not even looking for the positives. The positives are just there. It's really obvious to see is, you know, I think it's great vindication for Frank and the job that he's done. The fact that we're top of the league after 11 games, um, and like I said, doing so well in the Champions League as well, and it's all, it's all just coming together nicely, isn't it, Keith? I mean, let's let's move straight on to the. Uh, let, let's should we start with the severe game? Should we do it in yeah, chronological on, order, yes, so to speak? Yes. Um, you start, Warren. Well, start. I well I am going to start um, at the Blue Day podcast. We do try and do things slightly differently. Sometimes we don't try and do the same boring thing as everybody else obviously we're gonna have to talk about the man that is Olivier Giroud obviously we are going to discuss that don't worry but I'd like to start with the man that other than Giroud obviously who I thought was the best player on the pitch that night who was Emerson at left back both defensively and going forward positionally um communication link up play he was absolutely brilliant and it was a real shock I thought Emerson might be the weak link 
that night I really really thought he would he he would potentially be our downfall and it absolutely wasn't he was absolutely brilliant and we was brilliant all the way through the team and we was brilliant for the whole game we never really lost focus or anything like we've been I've mentioned it a lot in our in my watch alongs recently that we're prone to losing a bit of focus and letting teams back into games I think that was evident for a couple of seconds against Leeds in the first half yesterday especially and a few other little moments here and there um but we were just brilliant all round. I mean, what did you make of it, Keith? Obviously, I know you watched it. I did the watch-along and stuff, um, which I really, really enjoyed doing, by the way. People need to get around that. I'm really, really enjoying doing that. But what did you make of it from from the starting lineup? Because, obviously, there was, ten, there was ten changes. Well, I mentioned on our last episode that I sort of was looking at it from, shall we rest players? Are we? Should we be that concerned with finishing top? Because at the end of the day, last 16, it don't matter who you're going to play against, it's, it is going to be a tough game. So I had sort of my mind on that a little bit. But going into the game, I saw the T- Seville's lineup, I saw our lineup. I was so confident, I thought, yes, we're going to get three points today because our depth in the squad this, is yes, strong. Yes, and touche on that exact term, the depth, because... We always credit it, we've mentioned it here on various of our podcasts that, you know, if Pulisic and Ziyech are injured, then Hudson, Adoy and Werner can play. And, you know, if Jorginho and Kante are injured, Kovacic and Mount can play. And if Silva's injured and, you know, we, we always said that we had the immediate cover there. And it seems like Emerson might be, you know, bucking his ideas up and be a really good understudy, so to speak, to Ben Chilwell. But that was the first night that we realised that we can make 10 changes Right against a team that has won the Europa League 127 times in a row or something, <laughs> apart from the two times that we've won it, um, and do brilliantly domestically every season, always have top quality players, um, always bring in young talent and everything. Now, when they make seven, cha- seven changes to their team, they look a shadow of the fool themselves. We make, yes. ten, we make ten changes to our team, and we didn't look that different. <laughs> we really, really didn't. We didn't miss... But, I mean, I, I know that... I know that obviously Havertz came back in and Werner came on and obviously Giroud is one of the most... We could obviously move on very shortly to Giroud and his brilliant goals, perfect mm. hat-trick, perfect hat-trick and a penalty, just like, oh. Um, but, you know, no Kante and, like, you know, just so many players rested and just completely changed the team and it just looked exactly the same. It just shows that every single player... And this is this is the thing, when you look at a team and you're talking about the effect that a manager has... If you've got 20, 25 players from all over the world and full internationals and genuine world-class talent and some some of the brightest futures in the game anywhere in the world in their positions, if every single one of them players is 100% bought and sold by the manager's philosophy, it shows that when you bring people that haven't been in the team, in the team, the team looks exactly the same. And you can't be wrong. If you've got all this world-class talent from all around the world, if they all believe that Frank's doing a great job, they can't all be wrong. We can't tell... We couldn't possibly, as non-football people, like non-professional footballers who have been in and around the game since we were 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, we can't possibly say that we're right and all of them players are fucking wrong because they all love the job that you're doing. Look at the, jo- look at the things that Chris Wilder and Pep Guardiola and Roy Hodgson and the Sevilla manager and all these managers and players they're all saying what a fantastic job that Frank Lampard's doing all the players that have come to Chelsea they're all saying we came here because of Frank Uh, do you know what I mean and it's showing the DNA of the club he's changed the DNA of the club the DNA of one of the most successful teams over a 15, 16, 17 year period that you've ever seen in football I mean I know that Liverpool had their fantastic times and Man United had their fantastic times that were went on for like just as long and maybe even won a few more than us, obviously. But this is one of the most successful periods of any English team in the history of the, of the game. And he's changed the DNA of it in 12 months and he wasn't even allowed to sign anyone for the first year. I mean, what an amazing job he's doing. And that showed in the Sevilla game. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. But yeah, yes. take, but t- tell, tell us about Giroud, Keith. Tell us about <laughs> the man that is Olivia Giroud at the minute. I mean, we all knew it, but it's almost like... He seems to shock... He surprises us with it every single time. I don't know why we're surprised. 
I'm slightly warming to him now because at, at first he was not a player that I wanted, especially when we signed him in January. And I remember I slightly appreciated his efforts as a footballer at the FA Cup semi-final when he scored that wonderful goal against Southampton. I was there live. It was it was just an impeccable goal. It was fantastic. So I I knew that there was a player there, but I didn't look at it whereby I just thought, no, he's too lanky. I just saw him as he's a better version than Peter Crouch. I saw him as a lanky version, lanky French version of Peter Crouch, but slightly better. That was my take on it. I just thought that he wasn't good enough for what we needed. Yeah. I think a lot of Chelsea fans felt that way, but he has proved... Every single, nearly every single time he's played since he signed for us in that January, what an important player he is. The last year or so, and again, you don't need to prove anything to me because I'm just one man, but in the last year, he has shown much more in not playing than he mm. has played. Yes, yes. In regards to... That is a, that is a very good point, yes. When he's been... On the bench, the ultimate professional. Won the World Cup, the ultimate professional, the bearing ultimate professional. Bear in mind, he's won the World Cup. Top, and when top he... scorer in the sorry to cut you off there, Keith. Top scorer when we won the Europa League. Scored in nearly every single match in that run. It was unbelievable. When he has come on the pitch, he has shown desire to win the ball. He has shown desire to be the best player on the pitch. And this season. He's hardly threat. had a sniff. Constant yet, threat. <laughs> yet, am I right in saying he? All right, he scored four goals, but he's now our top Champions League goal scorer this season. Oh, hundred percent in the Champions League, he's our top goal scorer. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, so, absolutely. He um, he's absolutely like he's is it? He's our first player. And I, do you know what I was thinking about this when he scored it? It came up that he had scored in six consecutive Premier League starts. I had to think about it, and I didn't quite get it until they told me on Sky Sports that the last player to score in six consecutive starts for Chelsea was Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in 2001. That's what an achievement that is. Mm. Scoring four goals away in the Champions League, right? That's something that only your Messi's, Ronaldo's and Lewandowski's do. And when they do it, they say, oh, they should win a Ballon d'Or. What an absolutely brilliant set of goals he scored. The first goal, the touch with his right foot and then to bend it in the far corner, keeper had no chance. The second goal on his supposedly weaker foot. To have the delicacy of touch to lift that over the goalkeeper so perfectly. And then he scores a goal that reminded me of Didier Drogba's winner in the Champions League final. uh, Equaliser, I beg your pardon, in 2012 in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich. What a beautiful, it's a bit more central where it went in, but it was so similar in so many ways, the run and the header. And then to bury the penalty, it was just... Ah, it was absolutely fantastic, and it was just the perfect performance. And then to win the group, like you said, Keith, people was wondering if Frank may have the same mentality as you, as, you know, is the Leeds game more important? And I think he showed that, yeah, maybe he did think the Leeds game. I think he kind of showed it the week before, before Tottenham as well, against Wren, that the Premier League is his main focus, and I completely agree with that. But... Like I said, he's affected the DNA of the club so much so quickly that he can bring 10 players in and it's exactly the same, if not better, if not better. <laughs> well, I think about it now, and yes, Seville, it was a makeshift squad and even us was a makeshift squad, so take that as you would. But And I, I have said this once or twice on the podcast, I know, for me, there's no reason why we can't go far in this competition. I think it is such an open season whereby anybody can win this. Madrid are not the Madrid of old. Barcelona are a shattered club. They've got, Juve... got beaten, beaten by Cadiz yesterday, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, Cadiz are fifth. I mean, they're having a good season, but Barca are 12 points off top or something. Yes. Inter Milan are uh, an unknown quandary. I mean, Real Madrid might even be knocked out. Yes. If they lose on yes. if they lose next 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 week. So Bayern Munich look like they can be Bayern Munich look a strong outfit. Dortmund look a strong outfit. It wouldn't surprise me if those two were actually in the final, but PSG, PSG feel like it might be their season. Mm, I, no, I I I disagree. I think I think PSG 
they're just two players, Neymar and Mbappe, and teams it's kind last of an, season. It's, it's kind of enough. Well, Bayern showed last year that if you've got the right tools, you can you can beat them. And I just think oh, that they're very, that's that, that's what I like about the Champions League this season is that I think everyone is beatable. PSG for me are not the complete side, and. This is the problem where you are dominant in your own league for so many years, yeah. and when you're playing competitively against top sides, you come unstuck. Look at Celtic. Well, yeah. Well, this is. Well, I know it's Celt- different. Celt- Celt- I was going to say Celtic. Celt- just. I was going to say yeah. Celtic is. I, I appreciate totally what you're saying, but Celtic is a is a different thing because they're just really, really, really shit. <laughs> I mean, it says it all that they dominated the league without Rangers in it all of them years. And in all the years that Rangers were out of the top division, Celtic won like three European games. Did they? I think it was it. Did they only ever win one away game in Europe under Brendan Rodgers or something, including playing teams from Gibraltar where they're oh. 40, 42 year old like, and they played in front, like their maximum attendance at their stadium was like 287 let's not get into fucking Celtic but no, I, no, no, no. I appreciate I, the sentiment I'm, I'm just, I appreciate yeah I appreciate I appreciate like the the model is like like quite similar I understand exactly what you mean like that just the dominance in their own league and I think that you know Bayern by, by Munich have been helped a lot by Borussia Dortmund and RP, RB Leipzig and teams like that and stuff I know the Germans don't particularly like them and stuff but um, like I think they have been helped by that. I think they've become a strong, stronger outfit in Europe because of it. And I think that you have to look at Bayern Munich as the favourites. But everybody's beatable. It's the same as the Premier League this season. Everybody's beatable by everybody, and that's why it's so open and that's why it's so entertaining and exciting at the minute. And I think that that's why that's given us this season under Lampard. We didn't necessarily expect to be the top of everything so soon. So I think this season it gives us the best opportunity to win things and then moving forward when things start to stabilise again hopefully we'll be in a position of like strength anyway so it's, it's all positive going forward but yes yeah, so Warren that's why I believe that there's no reason why we can't go far in this competition but back to your point about the league yes we're top we're delighted we're top of course whether we will stay top by Sunday evening remains to be seen but and I said this to a few Chelsea supporters this morning on on the phone. At this moment in time, it doesn't necessarily mean too much, but let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy the fact that Frank has gelled 11 players or 16 players into a, a squad that is able to compete week in, week out and playing the football that he wants to play. I mean, I mean, we'll touch on the Leeds game later on, but the Seville game in particular... How many, how many teams do you know would play like that away from home in the Champions League against a side that is renowned for being tough to beat? Mm-hmm. And play, like, play, like a pre- play like a Premier League side, as Frank Lampard said. Well, the thing is with it, I mean, I said it on the podcast last week that I feel like we could make loads of changes and it would still be almost like a starting eleven, and it sort of sounded a bit controversial at the time but I think that it was kind of like proved in what he'd done but with regards to saying it I know what you mean about it doesn't mean anything now because when you look back at the end of the season if somebody else is top at the end of the season it won't matter that Chelsea were top now so I appreciate what you're saying that it doesn't mean anything but I think it does mean a lot I think it means a lot for the confidence of the squad and what Frank's doing I think it's a real statement um, that we are that to be there at this stage of the season and not to have not just after two or three games we're not drifting away we sort of and we started off slowly and got stronger and stronger as I kind of always said that we would um, I just think that it's a real statement of intent and I just think that it gives an air of confidence around the club that I haven't seen or felt for quite a long time now hmm. and that carried over into the Leeds game I think yes I think it was our momentum. Although we played well against Leeds, I think that without being brilliant, the main reason for our good performance was just the momentum of keep winning and being unbeaten and lots of players coming into the squad and it didn't matter that, you know, 
who would start or who was on the bench or whatever. We was always just going to be confident and keep that momentum going. Yeah, and that was one thing that I looked at after the Seville game because every time there's a big win, you're thinking, okay, when's it going to stop? End. Yeah, yeah. When's it going to end? And against Leeds United, I know there was a little bit of a, it's a tad little bit of a worry, especially when Leeds sort of went 1-0 up. But, you know, again, as we just said, winning the group is very significant. Let's just hope that the European gods smile upon Chelsea and give us something that we'll be looking forward to in the knockout rounds. Hopefully we won't Real play Madrid. somebody like a Bayern. I want Real Madrid. Well, Bayern are going to win their group, so we're not going to get Bayern. But no, I'm talking to someone in, you know, in regard, someone like a Bayern. Yeah, I, I would like to play Real Madrid. I'd like to get my own back on Barcelona. I always want the big games. I live for them. I live for Chelsea playing massive games. No, 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 no. Let's just let's just get the. I team. don't want to play. Listen, I don't want to play Panathinaikos. I want to play Barcelona. No, let's just get the team there first, and then we'll worry about who we're playing. We're there. We're already there. We're there as group winners. No, we're there now. But let's just get to the point where we are at where we are at that stage. One little note I would like to mention: good to see Gilmore back in the squad. And he yes. came on for the last couple of minutes in Seville. Indeed. Very nice yes. to see him back. Yes, I had a good sing. I had a good sing song for him on the watch along. And if you have missed that, please find the please find us on YouTube where we do have all our videos uploaded on on our YouTube channel for that. But Krasnodar next week. Yeah. On I believe it's Tuesday, isn't it? Krasnodar game. Excuse me. Um, yes, it is on Tuesday. Yes, yeah. six, six six p.m. So I will be doing a watch along. Um, I've got quite a busy day before that, but um, so I'll probably be going live just sort of as we kick off, so to speak. But um, yeah, join us for that. Um, people, like I said, I've been really, really enjoying that. Looking forward to the crashing of our game. Looking forward to seeing the players who are not immediately getting the opportunities, like you just mentioned there, Keith. Like your, your Billy Gilmore's, your Rudiger's. I'd love to see Tamori come in the team. I'd like to see Emerson play again. Tamori needs to play. Absolutely. Yeah. Tamori yeah. needs to 100% as, as, play. As Pedicueta should come back into the squad, um, I should imagine we'll see Jorginho. I should imagine Tammy will play. hudson Adoy will play. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Krasnodar game, as I was obviously looking forward to the Leeds game yesterday. I mean, we'll probably move on to that now. And again... Yes, let's <laughs> move on to the Leeds game. Let's move and, on uh, to it. Yeah, and mention again, obviously, you'd have to start with our most dangerous player yesterday, that was Giroud. Um, was unlucky with a header, probably should have scored early on, um, which brings, which kind of ties in nicely to the fact that at the moment, you know, I know a few of players are injured, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and you've got the likes of Ward-Prowse and people like that, but can anyone whip a corner in like fucking Mason Mount in a minute or what? Because every time he whips a ball in, we should score. <laughs> well, you mentioned Mason Mount sort of well, but Rhys James is yeah. Rhys James across. Yeah, he was uh, outstanding last yeah. night. He was fantastic. But our delivery from all over the pitch, our the technique of the players to cross a ball is absolutely fantastic, and that's what players like Giroud thrive on. It's what Tammy needs to start thriving on. Um, I, I look at I look at other English strikers and I think how well Dominic Calvert Lewin would do in this Chelsea team. <sighs> think of how I well okay. I think of how well he could play in our team. But that's sort of like going off the topic of the fact that yeah, like you said, Reese James, like especially that delivery for Havertz in the second half. But every single time Mason Mount put the ball down for a corner, he actually hit the first man with his first corner, which I called on the watch along was annoying because we looked especially dangerous from corners. Then they put up the stat that we had scored double the amount of anyone else just before Zuma scored. Um, but every single one, Giroud could have had a hat-trick from corners. Um, the header wide, the one where Werner conspired against the laws of physics to miss twice. Um, and then, then oh, the, the air turns blue in my house for that. Yeah, um, and it's sloppy, unfocused. Like I keep calling mm. him at the minute. He needs to. He, he just needs to. I think he just needs to mature a little bit. I think he's very young. I don't have any issue with him whatsoever as a as a player or his quality or his potential or anything like that whatsoever. Um, so, um, but yeah, so Giroud could have had a hat trick plus his goal. 
Um, Tammy looked hungry when he came on. Um, really disappointed to see Pulisic and Ziyech pull up. Um, uh, not Pulisic, uh, Ziyech and Silva. Ziyech, yeah. Ziyech yeah. and Silva both, and Silva pull up towards the end. I think he would have come off if we would have had a substitution left. Oh no, we did have a substitution left, I think, and we still didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Oh no, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, 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 we didn't. Yeah, yeah, we had. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, um, that's a little bit of a worry, but at least they've both got a week off, um, now, so hopefully at least one of them will recover. Um, I thought Havertz is a bit in and out of games. He's, he hasn't, he, ha- he hasn't taken a game by the scruff of the neck. Mm. But then, but then I wasn't necessarily expecting him to have yet. He's still, like, he's not, you know, the, the way that Werner plays is perfect for the Premier League, which is why even though he's not playing his best, he's still being effective and being involved in a lot of things and you can still see what's going on. Havertz is still maturing very much that he's learning how to stamp his authority in a Premier League game and it's only going to happen by him playing more and more and more. And we have to remember that even though we are top of the league and we have won our group game, our group in the Champions League after five games, I think we have to remember that we are still in development so we can't expect the end product all the time from everyone. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's fantastic that it's happening for James and people like that and Mount and whoever else and Kante was brilliant again yesterday and Mendy, although hesitant and probably he will say himself his mistake for the goal was, you know, brilliant and calm and solid for every other second of the game apart from that. So there was an individual mistake which we've been cutting out a lot more. There was loads of positives. I think Havertz deserves a lot more time um, people need to really wait to see the best of him. But other than that, it was just brilliant all, all, all the way through the team. Again, like, you know, Chilwell was excellent. And like I said, Kante was excellent. Kovacic um, didn't get involved in the game as much as I would have liked. Obviously, I really like Jorginho in there, don't I? So um, it's, it's interesting he's not even in the Premier League squads. That's a bit of a interesting one. What do you make of that one, Keith? Well, with Hudson Odoi, I like him. I don't yeah. necessarily, I don't necessarily want him to go. Um, he's not one of the players that I feel we should move on to bring players in. But at this moment in time, I don't have an issue with that because, and Frank did this last season. Pulisic didn't play a lot last season. At the start of the season, Pulisic did not play a lot. And Frank mentioned in an interview it was because he was protecting him knowing that the season knowing that he didn't have a pre-season and knowing that he was going to be vital for the next few months afterwards. And I thought that was quite telling because Frank doesn't seem the sort of guy that would do something for one specific player. He would have like a general thing in mind. So the fact that he's done that with, with uh, Christian, I believe he's doing that with Callum because, again, they've not had a pre-season. Is Hudson-Odoi still sort of in in the books on, on Lampard? Does, does Lampard like Hudson-Odoi? I think he does because otherwise why would he, he play him in Champions League games? And Hudson-Odoi is producing in the Champions League games. So I don't think there's a disconnect between manager and player. In regards to who's in front of him, you've got the likes of Werner, Ziyech, Pulisic. As we've, yeah, again, we've just mentioned about squad depth. It's good to have these sort of options. And the interesting Adoy- thing is, the interesting thing is, I think a lot of his injury of coming back from that. But the point about Pulisic, I think, is a good one. I mean, he he obviously had his fair amount of injuries, and like you say, he didn't start as much at the start of the season. Now he'd be important in the second half of the season. But we have the opportunity now with the depth to be able to rotate the team a lot more, so they can feature in starting a lot more games, knowing that they're going to get rested later on in games. That's the interesting one that I find with Hudson Odoi. Um, I think a lot of it is just to do with his injury. To be fair, I think that if he was, he still said that. He's struggling to build the muscle around that area and it's like such a bad injury that it can just take, you know, a year of playing football again before you get back in your stride and stuff because it, it was such a bad injury that he had. So I think, like you say, Frank's given him the time and the patient that, patience that he deserves and that he needs to get through this period of his career. And I think he's going to come out the other end a much better player for it. And I think he's going to become a better player for Frank for this as well. I think it's another 
ticking the boxing, the man management skills from Frank Lampard. You know, um, I think he'll it, start midweek. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Start I, I can't, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine a situation where Adoy and Tammy and Jorginho and Emerson and Azpilicueta and you know Eva or of Zuma, Christiansen and Rudiger. I think Mendy will start as well. I think he'll see out the Champions League games. I think the Morecambe game is where we might see Kepa Caballero or Czech. <sighs> That'd be one of them. I think the Morecambe game is when Mendy will have a bit of a break from the team, maybe get a couple of days to go home if he's allowed or whatever. So, but yeah, I th- yeah, <clears throat> I think that's the sort of the Crescentor game is going to be a very similar lineup to the Sevilla game, other than Tammy will probably be playing other than Giroud. Um, but yeah, it was like the Leeds game in general. It well, was interesting. you mentioned the Krasnodar game, Warren. I did actually watch highlights of our Premier League two match against Leicester, mm. and there were a couple of players in that squad that. And I'm, again, I'm not got a football manager brain on this because I know some people would sort of do it if they were playing that particular game. But I don't see any reason why we can't give some of these players a go. The well, likes of Henry Lawrence. We could. Lewis I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, I think that a lot of them have an opportunity to make the squad for sure. Um, I think Frank would be thinking a little bit more about the Morecambe game because at the moment, because of our strength in depth, we are able to rotate and keep players fresh. But the way that we do that is by playing everybody in important games from midweek to weekend and stuff like that. So I think that Frank will see this as an opportunity to keep his team... I think he'll look at it as an opportunity to give people like Mount and Kante a complete rest and Silver and and people like that. Obviously, people like that would have a complete rest. Maybe the, the squad from 12 to 18, so to speak, may have a few... Academy players in it for the match day experience and obviously being able to make five subs and hopefully being able to win the game comfortably. A few of them could come on. Absolutely, I agree. But I think with regards to the starting lineup, it has to be, you know, eight or nine of them have to be from that core 18, 19 players that we always use just for the rhythm and the momentum. And if you start bringing in yes, players I, like that, I agree. That, yeah, no, I, um, I, I can I see agree. your point. I can see your point that you know, um, it would be a fantastic opportunity for them. But you've also got to be careful that, you know, I mean, if they was to lose or have a bad game, it could, you know, it could be potentially damaging to them because they're quite young. So, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see what the what the squad's like. I think the starting lineup will be very similar to Sevilla game. And, yeah, absolutely, I think we'll see a few of the the next crop of academy players on the bench, you know, the ones that may take over from certain players, you know, your your Kent Asia Jorginho's, your Silvers and, you know, your people that are not twenty twenty one from the Academy, you know, players are gonna need replacing in the next few years. So it'd be interesting to see the next crop for sure. Saw an old one yesterday scoring against us. <laughs> yes, and it was a very good finish as well. It was a good win and to see you know, I looked at the team lineups yesterday. And even before the game, I looked at the fact that the midfield three of Mount, Kante and Havertz was extremely strong. I did actually think Havertz had a bad game. Mm. You know, nothing worked for him. Basically, his passing didn't work. I thought his movement was might be a bit harsh, but I thought was a bit lazy. I th- I know, do you know what? I know exactly what you. I know exactly what you mean because I was just about to say. I think the Leeds midfielders. I don't think it was necessarily that Havertz was lazy. I just think the Leeds midfielders outworked him. Yes, because they do that, work that. extremely hard. I mean, Leeds are quite known for the first seventy, seventy-five minutes until they get really tired out that they they work extremely hard. But yeah, he can come across as a bit lazy. I said before he tries to be. He tries to be too relaxed. He tries to make he, he 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 tries to make the game look easy rather than just playing his game sometimes. Um mm. which again I think is to do with maturity and learning the game. So um but he certainly he certainly wasn't like one of our star performers, I totally agree. But the one thing I would like to mention, I'm not a fan of Timo Werner on the right hand side. No, I definitely prefer that looked a bit that looked a bit uncomfortable for me watching. I yeah. thought that yeah. Werner either playing on the left made or a lot of goals made a lot of goals coming over to the right, but always starting from the right is not his preferred position. I mean he did set up 
um, Pulisic's goal, which shows that Pulisic, like you know, he's obviously plays well from the left, and um, Werner had a good chance made by was it made by Pulisic from the left hand side? It's a beautiful ball with his left foot. Mm. Um, so I think that it can work at times, but as a, as a like a permanent fixture, like going forward, then no, absolutely, I agree. Werner is much better from the left or up top, and I think he's just better from the left. Mm. Overall, it was a good game, though. It was like I said to you before we before we came on air that for the neutral, it was probably one of the most entertaining games. I, I think that Chelsea well, have played better. I'd England. like to actually mention that because that that was a sort of game last night that I hated huh. because all right, Leeds went in front and Leeds actually looked pretty good. I was going to say I was concerned and when Leeds we were down. looked that was really still... really good when they were one yeah. nil up, and I did sort of think that. If this was last season, we might have actually lost this game. I think we would have, yeah. And to see the character that Chelsea had to come back from it was fantastic. But the overall performance of the team, all right, once we got the second goal, it was a little bit better. But from 1-0 to Leeds to then 2-1 to Chelsea, I just thought it wasn't the best performance. Like I said, you know, Havertz, I was disappointed with. Werner, it will come. You know, someone um, texted me to say that, uh, you know, his nickname should be Timo Torres, which I thought was, you know, highly um, disrespectful. No. I thought there was no need it's for highly that. Dis- it's, highly, it's highly disrespectful for Fernando Torres because they clearly don't understand the game if they thought that Fernando Torres was that bad. But, no, there's no comparison in the way that Werner is at the minute compared to just, I mean, yeah, it's not quite happening for Werner at the minute all the time, but he still he still got an assist yesterday. He still looked very yes, very still pulled leads around, and like you say, the first half I felt that I felt that going in one or half time was quite a fair reflection. It was a fair half. reflection. It was a very fair I felt, reflection. I felt beforehand for much of that first half, I believe we may have took leads a little bit likely. Not the management. I'm talking about the players on the field. It was a case of yeah. okay, leads. New team, what have they got? And they did sort of keep us quiet a lot. And I, yeah, I mean, they we're were, going to talk about they, they worked very hard. I think that we're we, going to talk about the crowd later. But yeah, I actually felt the crowd helped us. Last absolutely, night. absolutely, the crowd helped us. They got they they didn't really get on our backs, but they was always there, and like we always knew it. I think that it had a more positive effect on us than it had on needs for sure. I think that. Frank probably had in his mind that going in nil nil at half time or going in level at half time wouldn't be the end of the world because Leeds would tie and we would have a much stronger, more positive second half, which is absolutely what happened. Um, and then Leeds going one nil up and then really having the wind behind their backs and having their tails up and then really having something to defend and hold on to. I think that that was obviously. A uh, a hold in Frank's plan, but I think the plan was always to win the game in the second half. I think Chelsea are the top goal scorers in the second half this season in the Premier League. In fact, we're the top goal scorers outright anyway. But in the second half, we've certainly scored more of our goals, and uh, I think that was always the plan to win the game in the second half. So, but you're right, it wasn't vintage. It wasn't the best performance, but it was certainly a game last season I would have fancied us to have lost when we went one nil down. And that's yes. what we have to do. We have to reflect on this stage of last season. I mean, maybe that's something I should have looked into. Maybe that's something I'll look into for the, the next podcast because I should have done it for this one is how many points we had at this stage of last season, how many goals for, how many goals against and how we was doing in the Champions League and stuff like that. And, you know, it'd be an interesting comparison to see where we are a year on. Mm. No, most definitely. But listen, we'll enjoy it. Yes. We're top. Yes. We'll see where it goes. Frank's doing a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Players are on song. Let's enjoy it. Agreed? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, really am enjoying it. It was fantastic waking up this morning and putting on match of the day before we recorded the podcast on this Sunday morning. And, uh, yeah, just seeing them talking about, like, you know, good performances from Chelsea players and showing the league and showing us top of the league and top goal scorers and stuff yeah it's, I am really enjoying it I still expect like you said Kiefer like a, you know we kind of expected a dose of reality soon and we've got some tough games coming up you know 
Everton and West Ham and Arsenal and you know well, and Aston Villa and you know we've got a tough period coming up but we've got the strength in depth to do it we we can get through it and if we can get through this period then we can really really look forward to next year you know even more so than we are mm. so that's the reviews so we're on a positive I'm now going to have a rant and yes. I'm to a particular tweet that somebody brought to my attention this morning that I've taken umbrage with. Now, I'm not going to F and blind too much because I don't want your ears to bleed. But Warren, I received a message from a friend of mine who weren't taking the piss, but he thought that it would be something that I would bring it up on the podcast. Yeah. Particular tweets from Dan Levine. Huh. He goes on to say, a win over Leeds, top of the league, applause for taking the knee, and not a soul from Kent in the ground. Surely these things can't be related. Yeah. Mm. Now, I'm from Kent, and I didn't find that at all funny. No, it's a bit of a... I thought that was stupid. If It, it sounds a bit like attention-seeking. Yes. So, shall we, Warren, on behalf of the Blue Tape podcast, just tell him how we feel? Well, with regards to the tweet, I suppose the one, I suppose immediately the first thing that should be mentioned, it was good to see um, the Chelsea fans applauding, taking the knee. Um, Aaron, actually, when I was doing the watch along, Aaron McGrath, one of our well, one of our most loyal listeners since the very beginning mentioned it was good to see us clapping a knee rather than booing it, which I obviously, which, you know, myself and Keith obviously both agree with. Yes, we, um, yes, we at the Blue Day podcast applaud that, yes. Yes, absolutely. But, um, yeah, with regards to making comments about where people are from and everything, it's just, I don't understand why people think, it's, it's just, it's just silliness really, it's just, it's just, it's ignorance and it's just unintelligent and it's attention seeking and that's really all I, I I think of it really it's it's one of them things that I suppose that our aim at the Blue Day podcast is to not sort of like categorise and like herd people into a particular thing and it just seems like such an odd thing to say it's not like he was saying oh um you know it wasn't like he was saying oh there was no English players in the Europe 11 tonight and they played really really well what does that tell you like do you know what I mean he's not talking about a group of professionals he's just talking about a group of people that happen to be from somewhere and trying to categorize them as something just ridiculous isn't it it's just idiotic so Mr Dan Levine if this ever gets to you and I hope it does for the sake of your benefit I just want to say this fuck you <laughs> piece of shit I lived in Kent as well, it ain't all bad. It was better when I lived there, obviously. <laughs> by all means by by all means you can come down. You don't have to be from the north for so long. You don't you can, by all means come down. But let's let's switch gears. You know yes. we're gonna have a little bit of a positive end to the show. Yes. For today. We've got Sean Wright Phillips coming on the show in the next couple of weeks that we're that we are excited about. We are in in the midst of games on Wednesdays and Saturdays, Tuesdays and Sundays. So there'll be plenty of reviews, there'll be plenty of fun. But we also want your involvement. So if you wish to get in touch with us and air your views and your opinions on all things Chelsea, please get in touch with us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at the Blue Day Podcast. Find us on Facebook, the Blue Day Podcast. We've also got an Instagram account that we're actively uploading video, uh, uploading photos and videos. Excuse me, tongue-tied just a little bit there. We're, pre- we're pretty hourly. excited. Yeah, we're sorry to cut yes, you off there. We're pretty excited basis. about. We're pretty excited about the Instagram and the Twitter. They've both been getting quite a bit of traction and a few more followers and a lot more comments and stuff like that, which we've really, really appreciated reading. I know that myself and Keith, you know, when when we're busier during the week and we come back to our phones a few hours later and we see that we've got a lot of followers and stuff, we're sort of very, very close to the 200 mark um, follower-wise on Twitter now. So for you Twitter listeners, 
um, that are like new to the show, like welcome to everybody. There's a lot of our American fans on there. There's fans from Australia and Africa and India and all over the UK, all over Europe. So really excited to be re- like reaching out to these people. Love to get your thoughts on the show, what you think about it, what it's like listening to. Obviously, a lot of your access to Chelsea is like Sky Sports and BT stuff and official Chelsea stuff. Like, let us know how we're doing just as fans and our opinions and how it differs and whether you enjoy it or not and what you would like to see on the show like let us know what you think about having Sean White Phillips on the show soon we're going to have another announcement um so we're really excited about that but yeah give us your feedback get on get on YouTube and you know get liking and subscribing to our videos and future content and stuff we've got fantastic things on there obviously the the Ron Chopper Harris interview the interview with Mr Chris Isaac from the Chelsea um pitch owners club and like I said all the future content as well and all your support is greatly appreciated it gives me and Keith a lot of motivation and it also opens up the possibility of us expanding the channel and being able to provide even more better content in the future for you guys. So absolutely get around all of the social media. Um, Keith puts up, like, you know, he really does his research and, like, today's put up the video from the 6-1 victory at the lane and we all know about that, don't we? So <laughs> happy memories. <laughs> happy, happy memories. So, Warren, let's end it on... A few plugs, actually. Let, let's end it on a yeah. few plugs. You mentioned about the Chelsea Pitch Owners Association. Yeah. They are now taking pre-orders on selected signed shares. So if you want a share at Chelsea Pitch Owners, you can have it signed by yeah. a selected Chelsea player. I have mine from last year. I know that you're sort of in, intending to get one, but this is fantastic thing. Absolutely, for, it for is. fans to buy and to what have. a Christmas gift! What a Christmas gift for your loved ones. And if your loved ones are struggling to know what to get you, put it down on your Christmas wish list. It's absolutely fantastic. Like you said, Keith, I am going to be um, my. Um, that's going to be one of my Christmas presents. Um, from my partner, she's going to be getting me a Chelsea pitch owner share. Um, what, what what we're going to be looking at doing next year is probably um putting our resources um together here at the Blue Day podcast and getting another share in the name of the Blue Day podcast, maybe getting that presented on the pitch by a player or something like that. Mm. That'd be pretty cool. Um something we're absolutely looking at doing. You should look into doing that. If you don't know about it, have a look online. But when we're allowed back to games and stuff and things are back to normality, you can have your play you can have your share presented to you like over the tannoy system in front of the whole ground just before the game by a member of the match day squad and that is absolutely fantastic and it's actually very very reasonably priced as well and it's you know it's not much more than paying to go to the game really so for the experience it's, that you're going right. to get but the experience you're going to get is absolutely fantastic and it supports the chelsea pitch owners club for those of you that don't know about the chelsea pitch owners club please please find our episode with the chairman of the Chelsea Pitch Owners Club, Mr. Chris Isaac. That's on iTunes, YouTube. Find all the links on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, as usual, and everything. You know, get around that and support the Chelsea Pitch Owners Club. Because if you don't know what they do, once you hear about it, you'll want to support them. Most definitely. I completely concur with that. So we will be uploading the link to our Facebook page again, just in case for those who who have actually missed it. But, yes, please, please, if, if you can... Get involved in that. And furthermore, Warren, one last point before we go is a lady by the name of Karen O'Neill is raising money to a young supporter by the name of Adam. They have a signed Timo Werner shirt and it's on the it's on their Just Giving page. So if you wish to be entered into this sort of prize draw, so to speak. Donate a minimum of £5 to the page. Your name will be entered into the draw. The draw closes on Monday the 21st of December. More information myself and Warren will upload on the social media platforms. But as it's Christmas coming up, you know, you've obviously this present for yourself. It could be a present for your loved ones, you know, and it is for a charitable cause. So please get involved in it. We will be, like I said, we'll be uploading the page on Facebook, Instagram, Warren will obviously work his magic on Twitter. But yeah, Warren, yeah, this this is something that sort of I'm I'm particularly keen on because it's important to, to help out fellow Chelsea supporters, isn't it? Oh yeah, I think it's yeah, I think absolutely. I think when it comes to obviously 
certain subject, I think that the football community has to sort of come together. It's the kind of thing that, you know, um, in the past there's been raffles and things to win um, to help fans of other clubs and you know it's just pulled at my heartstrings and I've donated I've not wanted to win anything I would have re-gifted it because obviously it belonged it was a piece of merchandise from a different club or whatever but it was just you know the the sentiment of the football community but absolutely as it's a Chelsea fan as well you know but everybody have a look on there and check it out it is a great cause it's a it's, it's, it's quite a it's quite a powerful story as well. Like, do you know what I mean? If you read into it and stuff, so yeah, absolutely get around it. I know that I'm going to go on there and stick a cheeky fiver on there for a raffle ticket and see if I can win the shirt. And if I, like, do you know what I mean? If I win the shirt, then maybe I could. We could here at the Blue Day podcast, we could raffle it off again and maybe raise some more money. So you know, get around it. Mm, definitely, definitely. So by all means, find us on the social media platforms. Keep the blue flag flying high. We'll let Harry J, the All-Stars, play us out. I said it right this week. Yeah. Ah, see, I, I said it right this week. So, my fellow Chelsea supporters, stay safe and carefree. Network.